right. Come on in. Grab a seat. It is the Chief Zone Podcast. Another episode here this week for you all to listen to the last one for the remainder of the week. My name is Farzim Vasugian, the host of the Chief Zone Podcast. I appreciate all of you downloading and listening to another episode of the podcast. Hope you all enjoying your week. Hope all is going well in the world. Going to be a very short podcast here on this episode. I'll get into that in just a moment. You guys want to interact with me? You guys can like and follow my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Vesugian. Also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. And you guys can send me an email as well, as well excuse me, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Very short podcast, as I promised, just like uh, the previous one. Not going to get into a whole lot. This one's actually going to be even shorter. Very simply put, this is going to be my prediction for the 53-man roster and the depth chart in specifics of who I think will make the roster. Not going to go over practice squad details necessarily, uh, but I think overall, this is going to be kind of a fun podcast. We'll we'll touch on that, go over that 53-man roster, who I think is going to make it. Uh, who I think will just miss the roster spot, and who I think the Chiefs will move forward with. Keep in mind, all 53 guys that I have projected, they're all on the team right now. I don't expect it to be fully accurate, similar to what I've been saying about mock drafts. This is, all, this is really based on who's on the team right now. Before training camp, during, or maybe even after, we may see... Uh, a couple of people who were surprisingly let go from other teams, and maybe it could happen here in Kansas City, we'll, we'll see. The Chiefs may bring in someone else going into Week 1. So th- this is my 53-man roster in the depth chart going into Week 1, and we'll discuss that. Plus, I, I mentioned we're not going to do the closing segments, it's just going to be a short podcast, but there are two things that happen in Kansas City that I want to discuss. One of them in which I wrote a tweet about that ended up being on the Kansas City Stars website, and I've got I got a lot of uh, people sending me texts, uh, Facebook posts, um, emails about it. Uh, so uh, I'll touch on that a little bit as well. Uh, not not the uh, article itself, but more so the topic behind that. Also, in regard to that topic, I got a really funny email that, and I don't normally share these kinds of things, especially if someone sends it to me personally, but. Someone sent something that I just felt the need to share. And you guys will find out why. I offended somebody. And you're probably going to laugh when you find out what I said. I hope you guys are not offended. I don't know. We'll see. Facebook.com slash Farzine Twitter.com slash Farzine21. And my email, Farzine at Farzine As always, this podcast, we always try to include you guys as part of the show. So make sure you guys interact with me. Let me know your thoughts on everything we discuss here on the podcast. As I promised last podcast, uh, over at arrowheadaddict.com, I put together a slideshow of five Chiefs players who are on the roster bubble following the NFL draft. And this has been a very busy offseason for Kansas City, probably one of the busier offseasons. And and a big part in that, I think, is due to the fact that this is Brett Veach's first full offseason. A lot of people... Not too thrilled about this draft. And I like I said last podcast, I know I'm not going to repeat the whole thing, but I think a big part of that has to do with the fact that the Chiefs didn't have a first-round draft pick. 
in this year's draft. And I remind you all, two years ago, the Chiefs didn't have a first-round pick. Well, they did, but they traded that down and got more picks for later on. And look what happened. They got two guys in Chris Jones and Tyree Kill who are both viewed as first-round quality type of players. So, And here's the thing. I think Kansas City, more so, has been one of the more fortunate teams when it comes to finding bright-eyed talent in later rounds. Uh, just off the top of my head, I, I mean, we know about the third-round picks. I went into detail with that before, but look at some of the later-round picks for Kansas City. I mentioned Tyree Kill, of course, a fifth-round pick who has made it to the Pro Bowl, DJ Alexander, who has made it as a Pro Bowl player on special teams for the Chiefs. He was drafted, I want to say it was in the fifth round of 2015. And then it's been a while since the Chiefs have had a big-name player uh, from the later rounds that that succeeded on a a high level. But if you want to look a little bit before that, Kendrick Lewis, uh, I know not many people were big fans of him, and he was never a Pro Bowler by all means, but... He was kind of a big contributor for the Chiefs for a couple of years. Uh, For a fifth-round pick and a guy who started a lot of games, that's definitely something that you've got to be excited about. Ryan Suckup, again, I don't think he was ever a Pro Bowl player, but uh, selected last in 2009 with the 256th pick, and he broke a lot of records, uh, a lot of kicking records in franchise history. Brandon Carr in 2008. Again, never a Pro Bowl player, but was always considered a heavily underrated guy. And when it was his time to be a free agent and test the market, he was considered one of the best free agent players out there. And then I think these are some of the more notable names. Jared Allen, a fourth round pick in 2004. And Dante Hall, who was drafted as a running back. He was selected in the fifth round in 2005. So you've seen over the years. Now look, if we had to put together a list of great players and not so great players from the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, there's obviously a much bigger list of players that just didn't pan out to have long careers in the NFL. And look, I mean, simply because... They were drafted so late. All of these draft picks uh, that are taken late, they know that it's an uphill battle for them. But at the same time, it's not the end-all be-all. I mean, look at Tom Brady. I know he's known to be the most famous 199th pick of an NFL draft. But I think here in Kansas City, you've seen more success with some late-round picks, more so than most other teams in the NFL. Some teams end up drafting very well. Their third-day draft picks, and I know this used to be a two-day affair. Now it's a three-day event. But all of those fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh-round guys, maybe they didn't pan out to be Pro Bowl guys, maybe not even starters, but they've provided good quality depth for NFL teams and have done well on special teams. And keep in mind, you don't just have to excel on offense or defense, whatever side you're playing A lot of these players that are drafted late, they know that they're probably going to be a special teams player, and that's going to be a big part in them trying to crack a spot on that 53-man roster. So let's get right into that, that 53-man roster for the Chiefs. Start with the offense first. Quarterbacks, 
I, I, I'm not expecting any major changes going into week one. I think you're going to have Pat Mahomes as your, as your starting quarterback, Chad Henney as your backup, and Matt McGloin as the third guy. Running backs, this one was kind of interesting for me because we've talked about this before on the podcast. Chiefs are signing more running backs than we had expected them to sign. And by all means, Damian Williams and Kerwin Williams, they're not guys who are... I mean, they have got a little bit of starting experience, but not to the point where they might be relied on as a starting running back in case anything were to happen to Kareem Hunt. But given Spencer Ware's injury and how long he may not be able to participate with the team in OTAs, it does concern you a little bit. Is he going to be able to make the team? This is the one that I had a hard time putting together the most. The position that this offseason that I've been saying is probably the best on the team, the biggest strength on the team, probably now a couple of weeks later, knowing what we know now about the situation with Spencer Ware, might be... One of the more harder ones to predict. I've got, of course, Kareem Hunt. Everyone knows he's going to be the starting running back. And by the way, this is, of course, provided that no in, no major injuries take place going into week one. But I've got Kareem Hunt, as I'm sure all of you guys would. And then right behind him, I have Charkandrick West. He, of course, showed some flashes in 2016, filling in for Jamal Charles. And thought he did some good things last year, too, filling in for Spencer Ware and playing behind Hunt in 2017. Then I took a risk here. I went ahead and included Spencer Ware. I don't think he's going to be getting a lot of snaps. I know he was one of the better pass-catching running backs in 2016. And by the way, I believe I said for Chuck Hendrick West when he showed some flashes, I, I, I think I believe I said 2016. I meant 2015. That was the year Jamal Charles went down with an injury. But I think Spencer Ware is going to end up eventually making it on the roster, but maybe take a different role than he has in years past with the Chiefs. Then I uh, then I predicted that Damian Williams would make it on the roster. Of course, former Miami Dolphin, he played a lot in place of Jay Ajayi after he was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. And then I included a fifth running back on here. I went and put Akeem Hunt because of the simple matter of fact, he was fourth. He averaged... Uh, his placement was fourth in kick return yards average. And I think that's definitely something you want to keep. No, he didn't have any kick return touchdowns, but still had one of the better averages out there in the National Football League. And we all know how important special teams is. Sure, it's one of the more forgotten facets of the game. But at the end of the day, you want to have a good kick returner to set your offense up to go out there with great field position. You don't want to put Tyreek Hill out there because you want him to focus more on the offensive side of the football He's going to be handling the punt return duties mostly. But as far as Hunt goes, Akeem Hunt, that is, uh, this is somebody who I think definitely can have another good season. And if and they've got a couple good guys on special teams who can who can contribute uh, to some of the guys who they drafted. So I think that's going to maybe make a difference in helping him have a better year, maybe getting to the end zone finally in Kansas City. Offensive line, I've got eight. Offensive lineman. A lot of people would probably expect nine. Maybe they take out one of the wide receivers I have and put a, put an extra lineman out there. So I'll read you guys quickly just from left to right my starters. I've got Eric Fisher, Parker Inger, uh, Mitch Morse, Laurent Duvernay, Tardif, and Mitchell Schwartz. So very similar to what it was supposed to be last year before Inger's injury. As far as backups, I think Cam Irving is once again going to 
backup Fisher and Schwartz. The Chiefs, uh, one of the moves that they made early in Veach's tenure as a GM in Kansas City, they, they acquired Cameron Irving, Khalil McKenzie. And by the way, Arrowhead Attic posted a, an article about this that I retweeted. Multiple teams were actually going after Khalil McKenzie and actually were planning to convert him from defensive lineman to offensive lineman. So, and I mentioned last podcast, I'm not a big fan of these kinds of conversions. We don't hear a whole lot about success stories with players playing from one side to another. I think the only one off the top of my head I can think of is Devin Hester. But even then, I, I think he got a lot of the attention simply because of what he did more on special teams rather than on offense. Not saying he was a bad offensive wide receiver, but everyone just knew him more for what he did on special teams. So for Khalil McKenzie, if the Chiefs traded up for him, and if other teams also had the same plan as the Chiefs, then maybe the Chiefs know exactly what they are doing with him and try to put him at offensive guard. And then I've got center Jordan Devey, who will be backing up Mitch Morse. Tight ends, I've got three tight ends on here. Travis Kelsey, Demetrius Harris, and I'm not quite sure who the other tight end is going to be. Orson Charles is on the team, didn't do very well. I know a lot of people were critical of him and, and how he did late in the year. Uh, Demetrius Harris, of course, late in the regular season, had that catch at the five, well, he should have had a catch at the five-yard line with nobody near him, and all he had to do was walk it to the end zone. And he drops it right there. Orson Charles, not the most ex- not the most exciting play call from Kansas City. And I've discussed this before. Uh, on that third down play late in the playoff game against Tennessee. Where Alex Smith throws it right to Orson Charles Haynes on a, on a play action uh, on third and short. Everyone was expecting a run when you've got the leading rusher on your own offense. But Andy Reid knew what he was doing. That play worked perfectly up until Alex Smith threw it right to Orson Charles' hands. And he could not come down with it for a first down conversion. Now again, keep in mind, uh, when you get critical, and I understand these guys get paid a lot of money. I, I get it. But there's a reason why Charles was a, was a third uh, string tight end. Picked up late during the year. So, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of Orson Charles. I'd like to think Tim Wright or Jason Morrow, other tight ends who are on this football team, maybe they could make that play if it was either of those two on that third down play. So, I'm going to go with Jason Morrow as the third string tight end for the Chiefs. Maybe the Chiefs look elsewhere at tight end. And again, the Chiefs haven't released a whole list of their undrafted uh, signings. And maybe there's somebody else out there that they really like who could crack a spot on the roster, uh, an undrafted rookie. So that we'll see. Wide receivers, I've got six. Some people might think it's it's a pretty good number. Some might think it's a little too much. I've got Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins. As a matter of fact, I'll just say this. I've got really the same list as what the Chiefs had last year. Tyree Kill, Chris Conley, Demarcus Robinson, DeAnthony Thomas, and Jehu Chasson. The only difference is, I didn't mention Albert Wilson's name because he's obviously now with the Miami Dolphins and the Chiefs acquired Sammy Watkins. So I think that's the only difference you're going to see. But I think it's going to be a big difference too on this football team. I really liked Albert Wilson. I think he's going to be a good number one wide receiver, assuming he plays the rest of his his career in Miami. But nonetheless, I think he's going to do great things. Uh, but for whatever reason, the Chiefs and the uh, and uh, Wilson, they were not able to agree 
determines to resign him. So instead, the Chiefs ended up picking up a guy who's had a more successful career so far in the NFL, and that's Sammy Watkins. And I think this is going to be a very good offense. Uh, I know a lot of people are concerned about the offensive line, but I, and I don't think the offensive line's great, but I think it's better than some people are making it seem. So I think Pat Mahomes, uh, and look, he's going to be sacked at times. It's not like he, his jersey's going to be clean for every single snap for all 16 games. I mean, I, every quarterback's going to get thrown around here and there. But it's just trying to make sure it doesn't get uh, it turned into a bad habit and it, it happens consistently with him. I think people forget, the Eagles and the Patriots, and I don't have those numbers in front of me, but I've read them before on the podcast. Look at their sack totals that they've allowed. Very similar to Kansas City's. Not a big difference there. And those are the two teams who, not only the Chiefs defeated, but those two teams also played in the Super Bowl this past year. So I think overall, Kansas City's offensive line, yes, it could use a little bit of improvement. But at the same time, I don't think it's uh, it, it's as bad as some people try to make it seem to be. I love the offense. I really do. I don't know. For Pat Mahomes going into his first year as a primary quarterback, what else could he ask for? You've got Kareem Hunt in a really talented group of running backs right behind him. And you know how well running backs do under Andy Reid's offense. Then you've got a very good fullback in Anthony Sherman. One of the best in the NFL. Came from Arizona. One of the best moves that John Dorsey made while he was in Kansas City. I don't think this gets talked about much. And I haven't even said it a whole lot. So I'm guilty of it as well. But he's definitely been a big playmaker for the Chiefs. Then you've got Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins. Two great wide receivers. Speezers who can do a lot of things. You've got Chris Conley and Demarcus Robinson. Anthony Thomas, guys who have contributed, and Jehu Chasson, who, who you drafted last year, maybe you still want to work with him and see where things go with him and give him an opportunity. Demarcus Robinson, I've said this a lot, I'm, I'm on the Demarcus Robinson bandwagon, I'm probably the only one on that train, but I think this is a guy who, who can really do some special things in the NFL. He really showed up last year when his number was called when Chris Conley was hurt, and obviously the Chiefs released Jeremy Macklin, so they didn't have a reliable guy behind Tyreek Hill and Albert Wilson. And Demarcus Robinson is a guy who, I think he he showed up to the occasion and, and quietly surprised a few people. And I think he's going to be an important part of this offense for 2018. Switching over to the end, before I forget, uh, the tight ends, of course, Travis Kelsey, Demetrius Harris. I think Demetrius Harris has very similar skills to Travis Kelsey very fast guy and can get a lot of yards after the catch, but he's got to be able to maintain possession when the ball is thrown right in his hands. Uh, the same thing could be said about Jay, um, Orson Charles if he were to, once again, stay on the football team. Not a lot of excuses for Pat Mahomes. He'll still make some mistakes. This is going to be a learning year for him, too, at the same time. Uh, it's, it's, his, it's his first year starting, so you're going to see some growing pains, but I think he'll be able to erase those very quickly within the first four games, the first quarter of the season, and you'll see a much different Pat Mahomes from the remaining 12 games of that year. Switching over to the defensive line. Left hand, I've got Chris Jones and Rakeem Nunes Rochitz, who the Chiefs re-signed. They actually re-signed him the morning of the second day of the draft, and not only that, they re-signed him, and then they signed guys like Derek Natty. And Breland speaks. Guys who can contribute to Kansas City's front seven. 
And speaking of Derek Natty, I talked about how this nose tackle spot, it is wide open. It is up for grabs. Really, anyone could could get it. Uh, you, you look at who they signed in, Xavier Williams, who came in from Arizona. Justin Hamilton, who played that spot a little bit last year. But I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say the third-round pick, Natty, is going to be the week one starter for the Chiefs. Xavier Williams only has a couple of starts in his career at nose tackle. Justin Hamilton hasn't played a whole lot. He was with the Eagles last year. As a matter of fact, Hamilton hasn't played a whole lot in the regular season. He's been in the NFL since 2014, I want to say. And you look at his starting experience. He only has that week 17 start last year when the Chiefs rested a lot of their starters. And on the right side, Alan Bailey, a guy who... I think he did some great things in 2014 and 2015. But then, since then, he's been very quiet for the Chiefs. And I'd like to think that this could be a bounce-back year for him. And I've also got Jarvis Jenkins right behind. And behind uh, Derek Natty, I have Xavier Williams. So I think Justin Hamilton ends up being the odd man out, and he gets cut by the Chiefs. And Ty McGill, I also think he gets let, let go by the Chiefs. Once they do their 53-man roster completion. Linebackers, I've got eight linebackers for the Chiefs. Starting outside linebackers, I've got Justin Houston and D. Ford. Inside, Anthony Hitchens, Reggie Ragland. Uh, unless you think D. Ford has a very bad offseason, I, I think we all agree that these are going to be your four linebackers going into week one. Now, behind Houston and D. Ford, I've got Tino Passagno and Breland Speaks. And I think Breland Speaks is going to challenge D. Ford this year. I think that's going to be one of the more interesting position battles you'll see in training camp and in the preseason this year. And you never know. Maybe Breland Speaks, they, they kind of do what they what we thought the Chiefs were going to do when they had Houston and Tom Bahali with D. Ford at the time drafted in 2014 as a, as a rookie. Uh, you see him active in rotation. And D4 didn't get a lot of snaps in his rookie year. But for the amount of snaps that he did have, he he showed up and he definitely disrupted plays in the pocket and made his presence known. And we saw him do great things early in 2016, but then he went quiet in the second half and we really haven't seen much of D Ford since then. So, so D Ford's going to be a guy that a lot of people are, are, are going to keep an eye on. I think if D. Ford, I mean, Justin Houston, a lot of people think that, you know, he's had his first full season. Now he he should be back in his Pro Bowl form. If D. Ford can do whatever he did in 2016, early 2016, and do it consistently, this is going to be a guy who is going to make a big difference on the defense. Inside linebackers behind Hitchinson, Ragland. Dorian O'Daniel, of course, and this is going to be a hybrid guy. He's going to play in, in several different spots. So maybe the Chiefs could throw in an extra linebacker in here considering O'Daniel's versatility. But I still think they're going to keep Yukemi Iligwe, a recent draft pick for the Chiefs. Not this year, but the year before. And I think this is going to be a very... Your, your starting linebackers last year, and I've said this before, uh, it was Derek Johnson and... Uh, man, his name escapes my mind right now. He's playing with Marcus Peters in uh, in Los Angeles with the Rams. Uh, Rameek Wilson. DJ and Rameek Wilson were your starting linebackers in that Patriots game, the which was the NFL opener, the, the kickoff game. And now look at your projected starters. It's Raglan and Hitchens, guys who were not on the team a year ago. I mean, Raglan joined the team in uh, late August, I want to say. 
And Hitchens, of course, very early, uh, once free agency got underway officially. So it's going to be a very different look at inside linebacker this year. Cornerbacks, I've got six of them for the Chiefs. I think David Amerson and Kendall Fuller end up being your starters. I know Kendall Fuller, he was well known for being a better slot corner and was rated as the sixth best cornerback overall in the NFL. But that was more for what he did in the slot as a nickelback. But I'm also curious, at some point, you, you've got to look at that and maybe put him as one of the starting quarterbacks on the left or the right side, and he takes that next step, that next big role, and I think he'd be able to excel in that. Uh, a lot of people were shocked when the Washington Redskins tra- tra- traded him away. A former Redskins executive, in fact, tweeted that there was absolutely no way he would have ever traded away Kendall Fuller. So you know Kansas City's got something special in Fuller at that cornerback position coming to Kansas City. Steven Nelson... He was good a couple of years ago in the, in the slot cornerback position, and we haven't seen the same Steven Nelson since then. So maybe if he goes back to that same slot position, because he was one of the starters last year in a crazy rotation of cornerbacks we saw in 2017, maybe Steven Nelson has a better year if he goes back to the role that he had in 2016 with the Chiefs. Ashton Lampkin, uh, I've got on here, and the Chiefs don't have a lot of good cornerbacks after this. Keith Reeser as well. I do have Traymond Smith, who the Chiefs drafted this past weekend. And I, I think he's going to be a guy who, who he'll have his hand on, on, some, on some plays defensively. But I think he's going to also have some responsibilities on special teams. And then at safety, Eric Berry, Daniel Sorensen, Robert Golden... Golden, of course, the veteran from Pittsburgh who the Chiefs picked up earlier this offseason. And then Arma- Armani Watts out of Texas A&M. A lot of people are saying that this is one of the better late-round picks that took place over the weekend during the NFL draft. So maybe the Chiefs do have something special on Armani Watts. At least that's what a lot of people in the media think. And maybe eventually he sees a little bit of time as a starter during his rookie campaign. So that remains to be seen. Special teams, nothing out of the ordinary. James Winchester, Dustin Colquitt returning to the Chiefs, and Harrison Butker now going to have a full offseason with the Chiefs and didn't make a lot of mistakes, but even then, you can now use this full offseason to work on those things with him, and hopefully he'll be an even better kicker uh, than he was the year before. Had he started all 16 games in Kansas City, this is a guy who probably would have had more field goals made than any other kicker and probably gets to the Pro Bowl as a kicker. So I've got a big expectations from Harrison Butker coming into 2018. Now, as far as kicker turn duties go, I've got Akeem Hunt, DeAnthony Thomas, and I've also got Traymond Smith. I think this is a guy who we don't know exactly how he'll do, and, and it remains to be seen. Uh, he'll have those opportunities in training camp and in uh, in preseason games. And then on punt returns, you've got to keep Tyreek Hill in there. I know I talked about the possibility of Tyreek Hill Maybe moving away from this. I talked about this, and this was even talked about by the national media later on. Uh, but I think you've got to at least include him on special teams. You can't completely remove Tyree Kill uh, from his special teams duties. Uh, and look at Antonio Brown, what he does in Pittsburgh, and how good he is at it. So I think Tyree Kill is going to be able to handle those duties similar to how Antonio Brown does it for the Steelers. And I think Traymond Smith... 
Uh, maybe in cases where you feel like you need to remove Tyreek Hill if he's dealing with some pain and you want to reduce his load on offense and special teams, then you let Traymon Smith handle those duties. Or you put DeAnthony Thomas back there. That's always a possibility. So there you have it. That is my 53-man roster for the Kansas City Chiefs. As always, I want to hear your guys' response to this. Facebook.com slash Farzine2. Again, Twitter.com slash Farzine21. And you guys can email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Before I sign off, a couple of important notes in Kansas City that I do want to discuss. I mentioned we're not going to do the uh, closing segments, at least not with the with all the uh, segment music and everything. But I'll do it this way. There was a big story over the weekend that was announced on Sunday officially that Sprint and T-Mobile are merging and the merged company will be known as T-Mobile. So the term Sprint will dissipate for good. Not exactly sure when that will happen officially. But that was the report uh, that was put in the Kansas City Star. And keep in mind, Sprint's a big company in Kansas City. So a lot of people are kind of concerned what happens with that Sprint campus that they have. And and not that this is something that we can discuss in detail here because that's not what this podcast is about. But uh, I think there are some concerns as far as what's going to happen with jobs. Another important thing to note, and this is actually what I want to get into more, what happens to the name The Sprint Center in downtown Kansas City. I mean, that's been the name for 10 years. Uh, that, that Sprint Center, they celebrated their 10-year anniversary. So what does Kansas City do with that? I had a couple of ideas for names. I want to hear what you guys think. I actually asked you guys on Facebook. A lot of uh, a lot of smart aleck responses. A lot of trolling in this one. Uh, but I asked you guys, you know, what do you think the name should be? Should, uh, I know uh, T-Mobile... Uh, that's the arena name in Las Vegas, T-Mobile Arena. They have all the Golden Knights games, a lot of UFC events, and several other uh, events uh, that they have at the Strip there in Las Vegas. But I believe American Airlines also sponsors multiple arenas in in the U.S. So maybe you call the one in Las Vegas T-Mobile Arena and the one in Kansas City T-Mobile Center, perhaps? I don't know. Uh, I think that's always a possibility. I, I was thinking of... Some local names in Kansas City, such as Cerner Center, Joe's BBQ Arena. Uh, I mean, a couple of big names in Kansas City. So let me know your thoughts if you've got an idea for a creative name. Someone said the Farzine Arena. No one will attend that. No one will want to go to any event in an arena with that name. Trust me. So please do not suggest my name as much as I appreciate it. Let's not go that far with that name. So let me know your thoughts, because I think this is going to be interesting. Sprint Center is a big part of Kansas City. I I think it really helped Kansas City grow and shape downtown into a much better place, uh, a more enticing place for people to go to. Uh, So let me know your thoughts on what you think the new name for the Sprint Center will be. One other thing I do want to discuss, uh, obviously the Royals not doing very good this year. A big story came out Sunday night where... uh, Dave Webster, who is best known as KC, it's spelled uh, K-A-Y, capital C-E-E, KC, I know, clever. Uh, He was let go by the Royals organization. Apparently, he was let go before the season, and I guess some people noticed, and for people who don't know, after every Royals game, he holds a W above the Royals Hall of Fame behind left field. And it's been a, a huge staple tradition for the Royals to do. 
because th- that's really the year when a lot of people started following Royals baseball more. And even when the Royals win a home game, if you're at the game and you look at the video board, they always show him. If you're watching from home on TV, they show him holding that W up. He salutes the crowd. He sticks a W on uh, the wall at the Royals Hall of Fame. And the celebration just continues. So he's been let go. And according to the Royals in a press release, they want to, quote, focus more on sluggers post-game uh, celebratory traditions. Folks, all Slugger does is get the Royals flag or a broom if it's a sweep and he just runs around the infield. Not exactly sure what you want to focus on with Slugger waving a flag or a broom running around the infield. There was more to this story than a lot of people knew. And sure enough, something did surface on social media, and it appears that Dave Webster, he has his own Facebook account, uh, calling it KC, and he, he and I don't know when he posted this photo, but it's a photo of the one of the postseason celebrations. You can see the media in the locker room, you can see the players with their goggles and the beer celebrating in the, uh, in the locker room. He's holding the W, and you can see Moose in the background just kind of photobombing. Uh, and KC brought that picture up, and he goes, quote, Moose seems like the kind of guy that would break up with his longtime girlfriend to go find a better prom date, when none of the better-looking girls would go out with, uh, with he, with him, excuse me, he went back to his original loyal girl, even though he is back, I can still see him checking out the room for a prettier girl. All that said, the Royals are still a better team. With Moose on the roster. So essentially what he's saying is. That the Royals are the loyal. But yet the very ugly girl. And Moose is trying to find something better. And I think this. This is what people think triggered. His. Termination. And I don't know if it was a termination. Or a parting. Or a mutual of parting ways. I really don't know. But. A lot of people uh, were upset that because they believe that this is why he he was let go. I mean, look, if you're a, a big employee of the team, you've got to be careful with what you say and things like that. And I don't know, maybe Moose saw that, maybe his family saw, maybe his wife saw the girlfriend comment, didn't appreciate that. I don't know. I'm trying to be open-minded here. I, I think maybe somebody, whether it was Moose, his family, or the Royals organization, uh, maybe multiple people saw that, took it the wrong way, and did not appreciate that. I know a lot of people feel like there was nothing wrong and people are being too sensitive about it. Again, talk about sensitivity all you want, but everyone just takes things differently in this world. And that's something we have to accept whether we like it or not. I don't like it personally, but hey, I don't have to like it. No one does. At the end of the day, everyone's different and they just take things differently. And I tweeted the photo, and I never took the screenshot, just to be clear. Uh, I saw it on a Facebook post, and I shared it on Twitter. And I, uh, in the caption, I wrote, Jesus. And there was a twit pic there. And that made the rounds, and that's the tweet the Kansas City Star took and used it in, uh, in an article that they put together. Which leads me to my last topic that I want to discuss here. Uh, that, that tweet went a little viral and of course, as I mentioned, the Kansas City Star shared it, and a lot of the other media outlets shared it. Um, 
uh, which is funny. My uh, ex-girlfriend, I don't want to share her name uh, or, or where she works, but she works in the media. Yeah, we're, we're still on good terms, not like anything bad or anything, but she was the first one to inform me that my tweet was on the Kansas City Star's website. At first, she just wrote, you're on the KC Star's website. And I go, why? Um, so th- I thought that was kind of funny. I don't know if her media outlet covered this and maybe she had heard about it. I don't know. Um, there are a lot of, uh, after her, she was the first one to inform me about it. And I'm guessing it's because she's in the media. She knows a lot of people out there. Uh, after that, I got a lot of people messaging me telling me I'm on the Kansas City Star's website. So I appreciate that. Uh, I, I was hoping it was a different Farzine Vesugian. I wasn't sure if this was a crime story. With a guy that had my name and was on the Casey Stars website, but no, it's it's nothing too terrible. Uh, it was my tweet that they used, uh, which is what I learned eventually. Uh, which leads me to my next thing. Because the tweet went viral, a lot of people heard about it. I got an email uh, from a gentleman who was kind of upset about uh, my tweet, I guess. Uh, simply because I wrote the word Jesus. And I'm not going to get into the detail. I actually did share it on social media, so if you want to look at it, go read it there. Uh, I, I think he was just trying to trigger a, an angry response, which he's not going to get, because I'm not, I, I was laughing the whole time when I read this, but I do want to say this, I try to be careful with what I say on here, because I know there are some jokes that can be made, but if I do make certain jokes, some people will take it the wrong way, I'd like to think anything I have said on social media or on this podcast, it's fair game, nothing out of the out of, out of line, and nothing to the point where people would want to stop listening or... Re, uh, delete my pages, uh, whether it's unfollowing me on Facebook and or Twitter, uh, because of something I said. Like I've said, I'm, I'm a very cautious guy. I try to think twice. I know in this day and age, uh, everything that people say is is going to be viewed very, very closely. With that said, I'd like to think that, first of all, I've said the term Jesus many times. If something really small like that offends you, or bothers you, or if you're that sensitive, and again, I talk about sensitivity, we can't change it. Some people take things differently, but if that's the case with you, I just kindly ask that you unsubscribe to this podcast and remove me from all your social media pages. You don't have to be following me if there are certain things you don't like that I say. Now, given the interactions I've had with a lot of you on Facebook and Twitter, I would like to think that this doesn't apply, apply to any of you, and really, at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the day... Whatever I just said, I was talking to myself the whole time. Capiche? I hope so. Let me know your thoughts on everything we discussed on this podcast. Of course, the Chiefs depth chart, the 53-man roster, the Sprint Center name change, and what happened with KC with the Royals. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Like and follow me on Facebook. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can send me an email if you're angry about something I said, if you don't like certain words I use. Hey, you, you, you can contact me on social media. You can email me, farzine at farzinevasugian.com. Big thanks to all of you guys for listening to the podcast. And if you haven't, go check out arrowheadaddict.com. I put out an article, five Chiefs players who are on the roster bubble. I put out the link on my social media pages, so check it out if you haven't, or just go straight to arrowheadaddict.com. Read that. Let me know your thoughts on that piece. I'll have a couple other pieces. I'll be on the road. I'll be on vacation, but I'm going to take my laptop with me, so... Maybe a piece here and there while I'm on the road. Uh, I've got uh, some time in uh, in between my uh, connections, so maybe I'll uh, put something together while I wait for that. Enjoy the rest of your week. We will be back on Thursday, the 10th, 
Any Chiefs news that surfaces, we'll discuss that. And I'm sure there will be more around the NFL. So we'll bring the closing segments back. And that is when you can expect the next episode of the Chiefs Podcast. Subscribe, let your friends know, share it with your friends who are all Chiefs fans or non-Chiefs fans. They're always more than welcome to listen as well. Enjoy your week. Talk to you next time.